Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. 2 Samuel chapter number 5, verse number 17. If you remember what I preached on last week, I preached on be stable. Be stable. That's not what I'm talking about today. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse number 17. Records words along these lines. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, when the Philistines heard that they anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. And David heard of it, and he went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. I want you to think about that. This was the Philistines. David and the Philistines have some history at this point. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? The Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver them into your hand. And David came to Belperazim, and David smote them there and said, The Lord has broken forth upon my enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Belperazim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. Verse 22. And the Philistines came up yet again, slow learners, these Philistines, and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And then David inquired of the Lord again, and he said, This time you're not going to go up. But you're going to fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when you hear the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees that then you will stir yourself. And then the Lord will go out before you and smite the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until you come to Gaza. Amen. Now I'm going to jump into this. You know, there is nothing more exhilarating that I know of than when God uses you to touch somebody's life, right? There's nothing more exhilarating when God uses you to heal a wound in somebody because there is nothing in this world that will motivate you or me. There is nothing in this world more motivating than stopping pain on behalf of somebody else, right? That's why when you see the when you hear these stories of kids growing up in certain circumstances or people gripped by addiction or people whose bodies are racked with pain and when God uses you to do something in their life to stop pain, most exhilarating feeling in the world. God used me. The most terrifying feeling in the world is also when God uses me. Because the more God allows you to grow in leadership, the more God allows you to grow in effectiveness, the more God uses you, this is what happens. People start paying attention. I told you this last week. The greatest thing about leadership is people are following you. The worst thing about leadership is that people are following you. Okay? And so as you grow, as God begins to promote you and increase you in the kingdom, it becomes a high-pressure environment. 
Because the more you get promoted, the more people expect and the less people will tolerate. You hearing what I'm saying? So once you get used to a great level, you get to, yes, enjoy the privileges of being impactful for the kingdom, but you also have to manage the pressure of, again, being impactful for the kingdom. I, uh, I love to listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. It's a mind-numbing task that I do when I drive. And there's a, there's a great pastor and leader down in Australia named Brian Houston. He leads a church, small work down there, might have heard of it, called Hillsong Church. And uh, God's going to use them, I believe that. Um, they have taken multi-site church planning to another level, okay? When we talk multi-site in here, we talk, you know, Oak Ridge. When they talk multi-site in Australia, they talk Sweden, London, Israel, South Africa, New York. This huge global influence. And I was listening to this podcast where he was talking about it. He was talking about being a not just, not just a church leader, not just not just somebody that the city knows, but literally leading a global movement. And when I talk to young leaders and I hear them talk about all this vision that they have and things they believe God's going to do through them, that sounds exciting. I want to be a leader of a global movement. Can you imagine the stress of leading a global movement? If your kid messes up, It's on the front page of the newspaper and everybody knows it because you have built a global trust with the world and now you have to spend your life managing and stewarding trust. That's the challenge of leadership. Hang in here, I'm going somewhere, I promise you. That's the challenge of God using you because when God begins to use you, people begin to trust you. And trust takes a lifetime to build and a moment to lose. I had the awesome opportunity one time of getting to sit down and have about a three-hour conversation with a a great minister. Uh, He was very popular back in the day. A lot of the young people won't know who this is, but some of the older people, if you serve God back then, you'll know who he is. I had the opportunity to have about a three, two, three-hour conversation with a man by the name of Jim Baker. Y'all remember who Jim Baker was? He pioneered Christian television. He, he was the pioneer. And long story short, he built this massive empire over in Fort Mill, South Carolina called Heritage USA, called Praise the Lord. As My mother-in-law got her start there. It was a, an amazing movement, the things that it were happening there. People had never seen anything like it. It was amazing. The amount of money coming through that ministry was absolutely staggering. Long story short, there are some things that get found out. He gets reported. He ends up going to prison. He ends up going to prison. Um, he... Through a, through, a, through a series of events, and I'm not, I'm not sharing anything that isn't public knowledge. You can read it on Wikipedia. All right. Uh, he, uh, he was unfaithful to his wife. He had a moral failure. He was accused of all of these, uh, these immoral actions with money, ends up going to prison. Everything's over. It's over. This empire that he built is over. It's over. And uh, he was at the top of the world. Back in the 80s, everybody knew Jim and Jimmy. Y'all don't Jim Baker and Jimmy Swagger. Everybody knew Jim and Jimmy. And uh, he was on top of the world. He was a household name. Everybody knew him. Everybody knew him. And then he falls. 
And so I remember I, I had the opportunity to have this, this one-on-one conversation with him. I was just talking to him, and he was very gracious and very cordial. He's an older gentleman now. And I, I asked him, I said, I don't mean this rude. I said, but I need you to tell me. Uh, I'm a young leader, young pastor, young preacher. I need you to tell me how to uh, not become you. <laughs> I said that. And I was like, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. How how do I how do I not uh, how do I not become you know <laughs> you know. And I said, what lessons can I learn? And he stopped for a minute. He was very gracious. He thought it was humorous too. He stopped for a minute. This is the f- most shocking thing of all. He stopped for a minute. He goes, you know, I've never had anybody ask me that. I thought, well, that's the first question that came to my mind. <laughs> and he said, I'll tell you what. Then he started telling me in, 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 in detail his journey of how everything unraveled and fell apart. Hey, hang in here. I'm going somewhere. I know what I'm doing. <clears throat> And at the end of this, he said this. He said, the night I was unfaithful, which is what sparked his downfall, he said, I went into a hotel room. This is his language. He said, I came out 10 minutes later. And in those 10 minutes, I lost a billion-dollar ministry. He said, never underestimate how your life can change 10 minutes. We find this king of Israel named David. David had been prophesied over since he was a young man. You're going to be the king over the entire nation. As a matter of fact, David was not anointed just one time. David was anointed three separate times on his journey toward the throne. The first time he got anointed, your Bible says that he was anointed in the midst of his brethren. God picked him out from the middle of his brethren and put oil on him that he didn't put on everybody else. And then David had to spend the rest of his life fighting off the envy that comes with being used in the presence of other people that want to be used just like you. I said it last week. It is one thing to say. Celebrate somebody. You know, it's one thing to celebrate somebody when deep in our heart and deep in the back of our mind, even though we would never admit it, but deep in our heart and deep in our mind, we still think we're better than them. It's one thing to celebrate that when we just give them that, oh, look at them. They're trying to do something for Jesus. God bless their heart. But it's when God starts using them at a level that you and I believe we were supposed to be used on that we have to watch what happens to our heart. What do we do when God starts blessing the people we don't even like? Because many times the very thing you need, God wraps up in people that get on our nerves. Right? Come on, I told you about, I told you about Susan at work. I don't mean that offensive if your name's Susan. But I told you about Susan at work who get on your nerves and God's using it to grow you. And God's using it to challenge you. And God's using it to build something on the inside of you. God had to do that to David. David, I'm going to use you. And then nobody around you is going to celebrate you. And you still got to have enough fiber about you that you'll obey me in the middle of nobody else telling you how awesome you are. 
So David gets anointed in the midst of his brethren. That's his first anointing. Then he takes the next step, and your Bible says he gets anointed king over Judah. Then he takes the third step, and your Bible says he gets anointed king over Israel. Why the different anointings? A lot of people in this room, you might not even know what the anointing means. The anointing is when God sends the Holy Spirit to come on you and empowers you to do what you normally could not do. You hearing what I'm saying? People ask me all the time, do you believe you need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? I believe you need the Holy Ghost to go to work. I believe you need the Holy Ghost to go to school. I believe you need the Holy Ghost to drive down I-40 in the afternoon. Am I right about it? You got to have that anointing. You got to have that touch of God on your life. Because no matter how gifted you are, if the anointing of the Holy Ghost doesn't come on that gift, then we are operating by the arm of the flesh and we're not doing what God really called us to. can't be as effective as God called us to be. And you don't have to be a preacher to be anointed. You can cut hair and be anointed, Goldie Hobby. Glory be to God. You can be anointed in your business. You can be anointed at work. I remember I had some employees that worked for me down at the ramp. They'd call me and they'd say, oh my God, is what they do. They come, I'm under the anointing. I'm under the anointing. I can't do anything today. I'm under the anointing. My God, if the anointing's on you that strong, start typing. You type 5,000 words a minute. I'm up under the anointing. Get up under it and work. I believe you need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. I believe you need the Holy Ghost to have kids. Need the Holy Ghost to stay married. Need the Holy Ghost to come to church with no air conditioning. David is showing us that you got to have, you have to have this fresh oil on your life. David, the anointing you received in the middle of your brethren is not significant enough to carry you all the way to the throne. But you got to constantly go before God and let God continue to kiss you with a fresh oil and a fresh anointing. I know some of you in here, God touched you when you were younger. And I celebrate that God touched you with you when you were younger. But I don't want to hear the testimony about what God did when you were 19. I want to know what has he done for you lately. I want to know has he touched you recently. I want to know, have you been in the prayer closet and felt that anointing start stirring down on the inside of you? David's teaching, you got to have this anointing. This anointing, this anointing is, is what makes you effective. It's what makes you effective. I, have, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm t- terribly gifted. I don't, I promise. I have a gift to somewhat halfway, maybe kind of sort of articulate something, okay? And I have done that with the anointing, and I've done it without it. And you can preach without the anointing and get people to shout. You can. You just got to be able to say it right. You can, get, you can preach without the anointing and get people to laugh. You just got to be able to say it right. But the Bible said that the burden would be removed and the yoke would be destroyed because of the anointing. So even though you're making people shouting and make, making people laugh, what I really want to know is, is burdens being removed and our yokes being destroyed. Is there something on you that breaks off something on them? David said, you, you got to have. You got to have the anointing. You got to. So David is anointed three times on his ascent to the throne. David is anointed three times on his journey to the throne. And let me just throw this out there. The anointing only comes by consecration. 
the greater the consecration. There is a principle at work here. The greater the consecration, the greater the anointing. The more you pray, the more anointing God will give. The more anointing God will give you. The more you get in God's presence, the more anointing you can stand up under. Listen. The greater the consecration, the greater the anointing. The anointing only comes one way, and that is by sacrifice. That's why he told the priest, he told the priest over in Exodus, he said, when I want to, when I get ready to anoint you as priest, this is what I'm going to have to do to you. I'm going to take some oil, symbolic of the anointing. Everybody knows that, right? I'm going to take some oil and I'm going to put it on your ear and I'm going to put it on your thumb and I'm going to put it on your toe. And when I anoint you with that oil, you're going to be able to function in what I've called you to function in. But before I put the oil on your ear, on your thumb and on your toe, I've got to put some blood on your ear, on your thumb and on your toe. And then on top of that blood, I will put some oil on your ear, on your thumb, and on your toe. There has to be something in between my flesh and his oil, and it's called consecration. It's called sacrifice. If you want that anointing to sit on you, there's got to be some good old-fashioned church of God sanctification. At this point in our Christian existence, this should not be a question of what is sin and what is not. How close to the world can I get and still be saved? The question should be, God, what are you asking me to lay down to take me into a deeper anointing? Might not be sin to anybody else. Might not even be anything wrong with it. But what do you want me to lay down? You have to have, listen, you have to have some covenants that are just between you and God. There are some things that God will speak to you about you in your life and say, I want to I touch this. And I'm not going to, and your best friend can do it, but you can't. And will you give it to me so I can give you something so much greater in return? David was anointed three times in his ascent to the throne. Anointed three times in his ascent to the throne. And now we find David, everybody listen to me, we find David, king over all of Israel, all of Israel. This is it, David. This is your moment. God has finally brought to pass everything that he told you he was going to bring to pass. David, you are holding in your hand every promise that God ever gave you. Here it is. You're the king over all Israel. And your Bible says something peculiar. Your Bible says when David became anointed king over all Israel, the Philistines showed up. If I'm a Philistine, do I not remember what happened in a valley called Elah with a giant called Goliath who was of the Philistines? Do you see my question? Philistines, just remember what happened. If he defeated you as a shepherd, what do you think he's going to do? Now he's a king. If he defeated you with a rag and a rock, what do you think he can do now that he has an army? And I look at that and I say, why would y'all bother David ever again? Unless they know something I don't know. And what they know is this. 
Sometimes when people are successful and God uses them, it has the opposite effect that you think it would have. They knew he has some history now. Now he's been promoted. Now he's been exalted. Now he's been anointed king. So now he might be more susceptible than ever. Because sometimes when God's proven himself to be faithful in our lives, we no longer rely on him the way we used to. The faithfulness of God is a double-edged sword. The faithfulness of God makes us believe that God's always going to be there, and the faithfulness of God makes us believe God's always going to be there. Did Did you catch that? So the Philistines are showing up because they know sometimes when you get promoted... You can also get prideful. And so now, even though we couldn't defeat him as a lowly shepherd, maybe we have a better chance now that he is a regal king. Because it's one thing to trust God when you have nothing. It's another thing to trust God when you've got everything. I, I, I've told you, I think I've, I've shared a story about this, this guy before, but down at the ministry we used to be a part of, there was, a, there was an NBA player that used to come to church there all the time. And uh, he, his last, he, at one point he was the fourth highest paid player in the league. Okay, fourth highest, fourth highest paid player in the league. Okay. And we were at lunch one day, we were at lunch, we were just talking, he was young of the Lord, he was fired up, and he was just sharing with me. He goes, man, he said, people don't know. He said, it's, anybody can serve God when you're broke. That's what he said. He said, anybody can serve God when you're broke. He said, I want to know, can you serve God when you got millions of dollars in your pocket? And I, I just tried to act like I knew what he was talking about. I was like, yeah. I know, man, the struggle's real, bro. I don't, need, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> you made $17 million this year. Just give me $2 million. I promise it won't change me. That's what I've been telling the Lord. Lord, send it. It won't change me. <laughs> Put me through the test. I was like, bro, talk, talk plain, man. Ain't that the truth? Anybody can rely on God when you're a shepherd. Anybody can rely on God when all you got's a slingshot. But David, can you still rely on God when the army is at your fingertips? So, this is what happens. The Bible says the Philistines come up to David. They come up to David, and listen to what David does. David inquires. Of the Lord. I know I have all of the firepower that I need to defeat the enemy, but that is still not where the source of my victory comes from. The source of my victory doesn't come from my natural resources. The source of my victory comes from my utter dependence upon God. And in the middle of the blessing, can I still be utterly, completely, fully dependent upon God? It's one thing to be dependent upon God when you can't pay the power bill. It's another thing to be dependent upon God when you just bought your lake house, your second home, and can you still say, God, I'm going to go before you. I almost entitled this message, Too Much of a Good Thing. Because sometimes you can get so blessed that it has the opposite effect. Right? I've seen this before. I used to go preach at a church in Florida all the time. I saw it all the time. All these people all year long believe in God for a blessing. Believe in God for a raise, promotion, send it on down. Then they get promoted. Go buy a boat with the promotion that God gave and don't come to church all summer. Enjoying the blessing of God. (laughs) How does that work? I want want you to see see this. 
You remember, you remember the, apostle, the apostle Paul? In one of his earlier letters, one of his earlier letters, he writes this to the Corinthians. He says this. He calls himself the least of the apostles. Pretty self-deprecating considering how he was the greatest of the apostles. Wrote more than everybody else. More revelation, more knowledge. More. Paul was so humble that he, that Paul was so humble that he even tells a story about, about a man getting called up to the third heaven and everybody knows it's you, Paul. But he's like, I know a man. With anybody out of the body, don't know? And then he proceeds to tell everything that happened, but I don't know who it was, just a man. So his early letter, early letter, Paul says, I'm the least of the apostles. Then Paul gets some years under his belt, writes Ephesians, and he doesn't call himself the least of the apostles. Now he calls himself the least of the least among the saints. At first he put himself on the bottom of the totem pole just in the apostle arena. Now he's saying I'm less than all the saints. At the end of his life, he's writing to his spiritual son. Right before he dies, this sage apostle that has seen miracles and signs and wonders and becomes the greatest theological voice besides Jesus in the New Testament. And before he dies, this is what he calls himself. I'm not the least of the apostles. I'm not the least of the least of the saints. I am the chief of sinners. You see Paul's humility growing as he increases in God. Because whenever God wants to increase in your life, you automatically have to decrease. It has to balance out. It is a balance of power. It is a seesaw effect. If God goes up, we have, we have to come down. And to the degree that we are willing to go down, that is how high God can go up. And we like, we like it. We like it when it's right here. Right? God's doing some stuff. God's blessing us. You got money to pay the bills. Glory to God. Right? And ain't nobody getting kicked out of the house. Nobody getting evicted. You ain't going hungry. We're right here. And then God wants to take you to the next level. And we think the next level is up. But the next level is down. So when God gets ready to increase, it forces, it forces us down. So, so we like it like this. God, us, we like it like this. You know, if you're really on fire, maybe you go, eh, yeah, right there. Right? All the people you read about in those revival books, with us, we're fine. We're good. Some of us like it like this. Right? But we're fine. We're fine. When God wants to increase you. David, I can't take you all the way to the throne unless I get you down, unless I get you low, unless I get you humble. Unless I get you utterly dependent upon me, no matter what I do in your life, unless I get you utterly dependent upon me. You see that in Paul's life. You see him as his miracles grow, as his influence grows, as his impact grows, his posture of heart lessens lower and lower and lower. What was the secret to Paul's power? It wasn't his intellect. It was he wasn't afraid to get low. So David, y'all with me this morning? I'm about to let you go. I got six minutes left. Can you give me six more minutes? So David, you defeated Goliath in the valley of Elah. And they leave you alone for a while. Now you're king over Israel and they show up. 
David inquires of the Lord. Listen to me, look at me. And the Lord says, go up, I've delivered them into your hand. David goes up, defeats the Philistines. Calls it Baal, Perazim, the Lord of the breakthrough. And the next verse says, and the Philistines came up yet again. And you would think David's response would be, just go and kill them. And instead, your Bible says, David inquired of the Lord again. Because he, he did not need to be dependent. He chose to be dependent. Even when I see a familiar enemy that I know I can handle, I'm still going to be dependent. We know how. Listen, we know how. To do church on Sunday morning. We got great singers. Got a very average preacher. Good looking but average preacher. No. <laughs> that was my wife giving me the woo. In case you wonder. She lives by faith not by sight. We know how to do this. We know how to do this. But I don't want us to do it just because we know how. I want us to do it because we could, yeah, yeah, we could have a service. You know, most churches in America, if the Holy Ghost left and never came back, they'd never know. Because they're so accustomed to doing it without him. God, don't ever let us get to the place where we don't even ask you what you think anymore. Don't you hear this? Don't you, I said all that to say this. Pride is the enemy of everything God's trying to do in your life. Let me say it again. Pride, pride is assaulting everything God's trying to do in you and in me. Blake, come on. You guys, come on. I was preaching at a conference one time. About 3,000 people were there. Uh, is a Perry Stone conference down in Cleveland, as a matter of fact. Preaching this conference, 3,000 people there was on fire and good and had a great response, great altar call, laying hands, all the stuff. And I had an older gentleman come up to me after it was over with, very gracious, loving older gentleman. I know him well. He's a, he's a dear friend. And uh, he came up to me and he just, he just said this to me and it, and it, and it hit me, it, it gripped me. He said, God... And I try to live by this. He said, God can do anything through you as long as you remember that it was him, not you. Because pride is waging war against everything God's trying to do on the inside of you. Last week I preached, be stable. This week we'll call it be humble. That's why your Bible says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Because when we humble ourselves, it is much more enjoyable than when God does it. God has his way. Right? God's going to get you and me both. Listen to me. God's going to get me and you both. He's going to get us. You see why we need a building? It's 
probably one of my children. God's going to get me and you both to where he wants us to be. He will do it either by revelation or by tribulation. But either way, he's going to get us where he wants us to be. I don't want to be taught humility. I want to choose humility. Because God resists the proud. The word resist, he is at odds against the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So this is my this is my last this is my last my last thought I'll leave with. Stand up on your feet. In the middle of life, falling apart, struggling. Everybody in here, you've had those days, you've had those moments, you've had those years. You're newly married. You ain't got no money, but you got love. Thank God for that. <laughs> Heard some of the young married couples that didn't even thank God for that. Shout, preach, hallelujah. <clears throat> Everybody's had those struggles where you just had to pray and believe God. And if God don't do it, it ain't going to happen. Everybody's had those moments. And most of you are not there anymore. We're not there anymore. We're not having to believe God for our bills to be paid. Okay? We're not having to believe God for that. We're not believing God. We might miss a meal if God don't. Ain't nobody in here believing for that. Ain't nobody in here there for the most part for the most part. Maybe you are, and God can move in that. Most of us, we have what we need. A lot of us have what we want. And in the middle of all of that, can we still choose dependence? Can we look at everything that we have and say, God, I'm so grateful, but if it wasn't for you, it's not my intellect, it's not my degree. Let me tell you something. You have what you have. It ain't because of your job. It's because of God. Your job is not your source. Your job is the tool that God has used to get you where you are. But it is not your source. So in the middle of it all, we choose. We choose dependence. We choose to stay low. God, whatever building you give us, we're not relying on the building to grow the church. We're relying on you. We're relying on you. Amen. Pride's the enemy of everything God's trying to do. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church/give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.